Hello everyone, welcome to Langstaff Assembly Podcast. My name is Yanaili Joyce and I'm your host for this episode. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you and that it draws you near to God. All right, everybody, open up your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 3 and we're going to jump straight into it with uh, verse 17. It says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will find joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on the high hills. All right. To pursue God by pursuing joy, or more accurately, to pursue joy by making God great in our hearts. That is the theme of today's message. If you ever go to a a Broadway show and somebody is singing on stage and you're trying to figure out who is the one singing, they'll be the one dancing, the one waving their arms, but most of all, there will be a little guy in a little booth at the very top near the roof and the back of the hall and he will be shining a spotlight. And that is how you know who the show is about right now, who the main character is, who is the person that we're all supposed to be listening to you. You watch for the spotlight. Everything else is darker by comparison to the spotlight. No one lights a fire in the middle of the day because we have the sun for light and heat. But during the night, the fire shines bright. But it shines the same brightness, whether it's the day or the night. It simply shines brighter by comparison when everything else gets darker. There are plenty of us who have gone through the last two years of COVID, and these have been some dark times. These have been maybe difficult. I'll be honest for you, with you guys. Um, I've gone through trials and challenges, temptations and difficulties, stresses, anxieties, fears, insecurities in these last two years. And there have been times when I felt like, what do I do next? Where do I go next? What am I holding on to? The word Habakkuk means clingy, to cling. Habakkuk was the one who clung. And I think what he was clinging to is this, and you see it in in this last chapter in his little exhortation right at the end here. He's clinging to the idea that God is good despite the fact that he may have nothing. Still, he will find joy in the God of his salvation. I wonder if any of us as Christians, while we're going through this tough time of COVID and now coming out of it, thank the Lord, but I wonder if we have clung to this truth. I wonder if this is the thing that we hold on to rather than holding on to ideologies that the world throws at us or conspiracy theories that we see on Facebook or things that our culture deems valuable, whatever it is, sex, money, thrills, status, power. 
Maybe instead, we cling to something far more sweet, far more savory. Maybe instead, we cling to the goodness of God. That is the point of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, at the beginning of his book, he's simply asking the question, why? Which I think is a question that we have all at some point asked. I remember being at a funeral in Nicaragua, and in Nicaragua, people wail at funerals. This is not something that I was used to, because in Canada, if you have a funeral, people just get sad and mopey. But in Nicaragua, people would cry out to the sky, to God, and they would say, Por qué? Por qué? Which means why. But if you break it down, it means por, which is for, and then que, which is what? So for what? Like for what reason? God, why do you allow so much suffering? Why do you allow so much pain? Why do you allow so much darkness? Well, maybe we can understand it like this. Let's say you're in a movie theater and you've got your popcorn in your hot little hands and you can smell it and you're excited. There's electricity in the air. You're sitting with your friends. You're excited to see whatever it is, Avengers Endgame or something or the new James Bond movie, and all of a sudden something happens. After all the the commercials have been rolled, there is something that happens that indicates to you, oh my, it's about to begin, the show is starting, and what is it? We all know what it is. It's when the lights go down. And all of a sudden we all understand, ah, something is about to shine. Something is about to be made brighter in the midst of the darkness. The point of everyone being in that room is to watch the thing in front of them shine brighter. Well, child of God, that is your life. And despite all of the darkness, there is a purpose. And it is for something bright to shine through. Jesus called himself the light of the world. But more than just that, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you, you Christian, you are the light of the world. We're like a set of Christmas lights And here comes Jesus, this first one, showing us what it means to live out the heart of God in our everyday lives. And then that light shone in the disciples and in the apostles and in the early church and and in the Reformation and, and all the way thousands of years, just a giant string of Christmas lights that extends all the way to you. And here we are. Are you shining? See, if you wrap a bunch of Christmas lights around a Christmas tree and they go, you plug them in and they only shine halfway up, what's the problem? One of those lights is not shining. And because they are not, the light does not arrive to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. Child of God, you have no idea how many people you could reach with the light of the heart of God himself. If you would just shine, Jesus does not say you ought to be the light of the world. You should be the light of the world. Try to be the light of the world. He says you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so if you are saved, the virtue and the heart of God shines through you. Why doesn't God just do it himself? I think it's like, 
if you've ever seen a prism, right? It's like a, a little piece of glass in a kind of a triangular shape. And you shine a bright white light into the prism. What happens? As the light hits the prism, different colors of light bend at different speeds. And so what happens is as it bends out of the prism, it comes out in this rainbow of different colors. You've probably seen this in your science textbooks, right? White light goes into the prism and comes out as a beautiful display of colors that we all understand. This is your heart, Christian. This is the point of you being called the light of the world. God's heart is that white light shining into the prism of yours. And it comes out as something that we can understand. We can talk about the love of God all day. But until we see Jesus come down, sacrifice himself on the cross, have a soft and gentle and lowly and beautiful heart and the way that he healed people and the way that he spoke, we wouldn't understand the heart of God fully. But now, Jesus, who is now in heaven, has handed the reins off to you and said, now you are the light of the world. So go out and shine. So a challenge for each and every one of us is in the midst of this dark time, of COVID where we all are facing emotional, familial, financial challenges. In the midst of darkness, are you a light? I think if we are a light, we accomplish our ultimate purpose. And in accomplishing our ultimate purpose, we experience the deepest satisfaction that life has to offer. There was a guy named Nate Bramson. He's a missionary. And he's in a canoe in the middle of, uh, I believe it was Peru, with uh, a buddy of mine, Micah Tuttle. And as Micah and Nate are on this canoe, Nate tells Micah the unfortunate news. I've got cancer. It's terminal. But Nate had a funny smile on his face. He says, Micah... It's unbelievable. God has blessed me with this trial. And Mike turns to Nate and says, Nate, you are one weird guy. How do we get to the point where we can actually rejoice, like James chapter 1 says, rejoice in various trials and temptations? How can we get to the point where, just like Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 3, though I have nothing, yet I have everything, just like Paul says in 2 Corinthians. How can I rejoice in the Lord and find joy in the God of my salvation? There was a guy named Alan Gardner. He was a missionary to South America, and he traveled with six other guys in a boat to the, to the southernmost tip of South America, and there they found an island. And on this island, there were some natives, and they were going to evangelize this island. So they packed up all their supplies, uh, weapons, munitions to go and hunt, uh, food for a couple days, uh, water for a couple days. And so they arrive on the island. The next supply run is going to be coming six months from now. So Alan Gardner and all of his friends, they arrived there. After they ran out of food and water, 
they went to go grab their weapons and munitions to go and hunt some more animals. And then they realized, we forgot munitions. They didn't have any arrows for their bows or shot for their rifles. And they had no way to find new food. They weren't experienced hunters. And so they started to go hungry. One by one, Alan Gardner's friends starved. After a couple months, Alan Gardner was the only person left on this beach where their ship had uh, landed. And he kept the journal. A couple months later, when that supply run, that second supply run showed up, they found uh, Alan Gardner's body on the beach with his journal. And they decided to look at the final entry. Alan Gardner, in his last moments, had summoned up all of his strength to grab his pen and open up his journal, and he wrote these words. I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. The last words he ever wrote. Christian, I don't know what you're going through right now, but sometimes God takes away good things just to show us how much better he is. Think about a man like Alan Gardner. Think about what Habakkuk is talking about. Taking away food, water, friendship, community. Perhaps over these last two years, God has been turning down the lights. Just show that he shines brighter. We know that the movie is about to start when the lights go low. And perhaps God is preparing to shine brighter in your heart and in your life. And that is the result of the lights in your life going dim for a while. Maybe God allows us to go through suffering just so that we lean on him more. And you know what? If all of my blessings make God look good by compliment, if all of my strengths just point to how much stronger he is, then praise God for that. And if he can utilize those to, so that the light in my heart shines out to other people, then praise God. But what if all my failures, like in 2 Corinthians, when Paul says, I'd rather boast in my weaknesses because of my weaknesses, he is made strong. What if all my failures make God look good by comparison? What if the mistakes I make make the perfection of God shine out brighter? What if the darkness that I've experienced in the last two years make the heart of God shine through brighter just, just to my own heart? Then would it be worth it? I think when we take a step back and understand that the point of this universe is not you and it's not me, it's not even this planet it's the light that comes from the heart of God. You ever thought about how God was never bored? <laughs> God, who for eternity past 
did not have Facebook or YouTube, who never updated his Instagram, okay, who did not have cable television or cooking or air or hikes or movies, how was he fully satisfied for eternity past if he had nothing to do? And the answer is found in the heart of God. See, God did not have an entire universe full of playthings like we do. And yet he was fully happy and found complete joy. In Psalm 16, it says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there is pleasure forevermore. There is deep, deep, satisfying pleasure to be found in the heart of God. And for all of eternity past, all that God did was enjoy the virtue and the brightness and the sweetness of his own heart. And child of God, he created this universe so that you and I can get a taste of that. Isn't that awesome? The point of this universe is not you and it's not me. It's God sharing the light of his own heart with you or me. And you might say, man, isn't that egotistical of God? In which case I would say, you've never met a perfect person, have you? See, if I made the universe all about me, that'd be one messed up universe. <laughs> you, you will get hurt being too close to me because I'm not perfect, man. I don't want you to worship me. I don't, I, I don't want you to get too close to me because I will hurt you. My heart is not perfect. My heart is not sweet all the time. But God's heart, God's heart is a river of cold flowing water that refreshes the soul. And so when he says, hey, the summation of all of the commandments is to come and love me with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, he is doing you a favor, child of God. He is saying here is the source of every joy, of every pleasure, of all satisfaction. Here is my heart. And so I would challenge each and every one of you that's going through a difficult time right now. Have you taken time? As the lights have gone low, perhaps for some of you, I feel, Maybe the Spirit has put it on my heart. Some of you have gone through a challenge. Some of you have gone through a dark time recently. My challenge to you is this. Have you opened your eyes and looked to see the bright work that God is doing? In Habakkuk chapter 1, he says in verse 5, Look. Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded for I will do a work in your days that you would not believe even if it were told you. Guys, there's a reason why you're going through what you're going through. That statement is an act of faith in itself. Just to believe that, I know it's one of the hardest things that we could ever believe, but Ephesians says it and Romans says it and over and over throughout the Bible we see this one theme. That God works together all things, both the darkness and the light, both the mistakes and the successes. When the markets are high and when the markets are low, God will use all of it to display the virtue of his heart. This universe is a light show. It's a fireworks show. And the light being put on display is the virtue of the heart of God. Child of God, I pray that you and I would enjoy God more even in the times that are dark, 
even in the times that are cold, that we would embrace the warmth and the light and the savor of the heart of God. Father, I just lift up everyone that is listening to this to you, and I pray that we would earnestly desire that peace and pleasure and joy that comes with displaying your heart out to the world. I pray for each and every person listening to this that our hearts would be prisms that are shiny and not cloudy. I pray that our lives would be like rivers that are clear so that when you look down, you see your heart reflected back at you. I pray that we would love people in the same way that you have loved us. And we know that your word says in 1 John, we love because you first loved us. So God, we lift you up and we just pray that we would not love the things of this world, but that we would leave it all behind and pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening. What a privilege it was to share God's word with you today. We pray that you were fed, strengthened, and more equipped to run the race with perseverance. To listen to more podcasts like this, make sure to subscribe. For more content from Langstaff and to connect with us, go to langstaffassembly.com. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time.